you know, it, yeah, it, it, it hurt us a little bit financially. Yeah, it hurt us a little bit when it came to um, where we're at in life. But are we happier? Or better yet, is the joy of the Lord present in our yeah. home? Do we feel like we were obedient? Do we feel like God is at work here at Rainier View and that everything that happened, even though it wasn't always great, it, it was within sort of the parameters of God's will for our lives, right? And in that sense, the answer would definitely be a yes. And it's worth every cost. And we would pay that cost again and again to be where we're at today. You're listening to the RVCC Podcast. Sharing stories and real conversations that inspire next steps and life change. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the RVCC podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us today. Uh, my name is Erica. I am our Graham Student Ministry Pastor, and I am one of our teaching pastors, and I am joined by our other two teaching team members. To my left, we have... Jeff, and I lead out at our Graham campus, and I'm part of our teaching team here. And to my right, we have... Joe over here, uh, the campus pastor at Parkland and part of the teaching team as well. Thanks for having us. Hey, oh my gosh. Uh, it's my honor to just get to host this discussion today as we wrap up our series, Yes Regrets, because um, uh, I just get to host today. I did not preach in any of, of these particular weeks, so we're, we'll walk back through. You guys can share some of the thoughts that maybe didn't make it in um, in your sermon or you were like driving home and you're like, Oh, wish I could have said that 30 minutes ago in my sermon. Not that any of us have ever done that at all. Um, ask some questions. Have a good time. Sound great? Yeah, sounds sounds good. Good. yeah. yeah. All right. Jump in. Perfect. So week one of this series, um, Jeff, this was your week. And the tag was, if only I had done the work. So what do you wish that you would have said? Or what was the thing that is still you know, sticking out to you from that week? Yeah, I think if I would just be able to underscore, and again, we always want you to understand the these roundtables are kind of recapping a set of messages that we've already done. So you can always go back on the podcast and catch all these messages. That'll help make sense. Um, but I would probably want to help people know that they don't have to feel defeated, mm. that they don't have to feel like, yeah, I know it's not too late to do the work, but... Uh, I'm not going to, or even if I do and work really hard, I'm not going to be able to have those dreams come true or have those goals be reached. And so I think I would really just, and if anybody's listening, you just feel like, well, what's the point for me? I would just say, even if it's not the picture in your mind that you want to get to, or you want your life to turn out to be, the, really, the reality of that, like that story, and and Jesus going to the people in the marketplace and hiring the day laborers at the six a.m. hour, the nine a.m. hour, and then all the way to the five p.m. hour, is just that like there's still something good for you to do, no matter when you jump into doing the work, right? No matter at what point you begin to pursue sobriety, no matter at what point you begin to want to have a better relationship with your kids, or your spouse, no matter at what point you want to be, uh, you know, uh, somebody who loves your neighbor well, that. Yes, there is this reality, like, if you start the work earlier, there might be a better outcome or a bigger result or something. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't miss out on whatever good thing is left for you, you know, yeah. that that's not less than. Yeah. And so I just would have underscored that. I feel like it would have been easy to walk away from that message week one and be like, well, yeah, like, I hear you, but 
<laughs> it still is too late for me. Right. So I really yeah. want to assure people like, no, jump in, get going. Like, even if, even if it's only one tenth of what you want to do, it's still worthwhile to pursue whatever that good thing is that God's inviting you to pursue and take action on. Joe, was there anything um, that you wanted to be able to add to this week, to this, this sentiment? To this idea of yeah. the, the day laborers mm-hmm. and whatnot? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I have no regrets about <laughs> Great. this one right here. Oh uh, I think Jeff gosh, kind of hit it. So cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I think honestly, uh, uh, yeah, just kind of reiterating everything that Jeff just shared right now. Uh I think, uh, especially with the you know day laborers parable, right? Uh, I, th- I think there's just so much there to try to reduce that down to twenty to thirty minutes is like kind of part of the challenge, right? So yeah. if there's more things to say, yeah, I mean, like just for me at least, just emphasizing how the five o'clock crew, right? Uh, that the ways that people got there, like just being able to maybe, I don't know, maybe describe that a little more, spend a little more time there because, you know, that's really where we were aiming that sermon is for the late crew, right? And, and so as Jeff was saying, like, it's really easy to step away from that and saying, oh, yeah, but not for me, right? So th- I think there's always a pastoral desire to be like every single uh, example that you could just kind of put out there, right? If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So let's say someone listened, realized they're part of, you know, the three o'clock, the five o'clock crew. They're showing up a little bit later. They've already established a life, a rhythm, a way to live. How how do you navigate? Maybe, maybe there is an example from your own life or 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 something that you've seen. How do you how do you, how either how would you what advice would you give to people or how have you navigated realizing, ooh, I have to do something different. I have to lean into what God is asking of me, and I have not been doing that. That requires some changes. That's good. So I think it cuts like a couple ways. So for me, I am more in the story. If you look, and it's in Matthew 20, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can grab, you know, um, through the version Bible app, you can get a free digital version of the Bible there. But this, this story that uh, Jesus tells at the beginning of Matthew 20, uh, I am much more in the category of the early worker, right? Like trying to do the things right, the right way, the first time, work hard um, for the right reasons, all those things. And so for me, one of the things I've realized over the last probably five years is really allowing allowing myself to meet people where they're at and that like realizing, so there was a, there was a thing that I cut from the notes um, that we need to move beyond this like motivation of like kindergarten fairness Right. That um, there's really like right when a kindergartner looks at a a cookie, you know, and you might like be cutting it up or a piece of cake or whatever. Right. This like exactness, like everybody needs to be treated exactly the same. And like we're going to weigh it out to like the point oh one ounce and just realizing that like people are in different places in their life and have gone through different things. And that, that I did say this in the sermon, we can't use a one size fits all approach to judging people, but we still often, and I find myself drifting back into this kindergarten level of fairness, right? They're just, well, no, you just, everyone just does the right thing. If you do the right thing, then things are going to typically work out for you in a better way. And if you're not, then just like get your life together, right? <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not how life works. There are so many other factors and things going on. So I would say for me, my takeaway has been 
just allowing people to be at the place that they are and then celebrating whatever growth that's happening in their life, right? Rather than like setting up some level of like, well, people should just be at level X Mm -hmm. (laughs) and everybody has access to the same tools, right? And say, no, really understanding all the dynamics and celebrating the growth that we do see rather than expecting, because this is how churches get judgmental, right? We want everybody to, you know, everybody's spiritual walk to look a certain way, right? Like, oh, well, you really need to be reading through the Bible in a year every year. And that's the ba- That's the only way that you really are doing quiet time right, you know? yeah. <laughs> or time with God right, you know, rather than saying, no, like, for some people, like, reading a few verses a day or listening to a chapter a day is a huge monumental shift of growth that should be celebrated rather than just constantly, like, feeling like, oh, you need to level up, <laughs> right? Well, why haven't you leveled up yet? You know, and so celebrating celebrating those smaller moments of growth as much as the major breakthroughs or the big, crazy life change stories, right? Like celebrating those small moments has been something that has been a challenge uh, for me more so celebrating the three o'clock, five o'clock hour worker and their choice to engage with the work rather than have this hope that everybody's just going to magically, you know, be at level 40 or whatever. It's like, no, like people can be at all sorts sorts of levels. And we should be, again, extending a hand, you know, Mm -hmm. to somebody who's trying to level up. And then we should be reaching up for somebody who can help us grow. And that's such a better picture of discipleship, of being the church, rather than you need to clear this bar, right? Like a track meet at high school, right? Like you got to clear a certain height to like high jump. And it's like, no, it's like help everybody find their event more so. And everybody can mm-hmm. find a place. That's why track and field is my favorite high school sport to go when I was a youth pastor to go watch because there's always something going on and there's something <laughs> for almost every student to like participate in. Yeah. So anyways, those are some thoughts for me. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, like Jeff, you know, I, I belong to the successful crew of the early morning crew, right? And, and, and so uh, I think the big challenge for me, and I mentioned this a bit in, in the sermon when I was over here at Parkland preaching it, uh, this idea of privilege right? yeah. and, and how sometimes I need to be in a place of realizing um, that just because people are late doesn't mean I can assume or judge why they're late. Right? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that I've had to learn over time yeah. because I think as Jeff said it's really easy uh when you put in the work when you've sort of made it and, and all the things you want to accomplish are being accomplished it can be easy to look around and say like well why aren't you here yeah uh, um and sort of detailing at least uh, over here on the Parkland side of things uh sort of the advantages I had in my life and what helped me to be able to maybe thrive when other people couldn't I think it's a great reminder just as as you follow Jesus right that uh that that especially in American culture we can get into this mindset of well anyone should be able to do it right and that could be true in some situations but it's not true in every single situation and the need to uh, reserve that judgment right yeah and I think that anytime because even if you've been following Jesus, if 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 you were if you are a, a nine a.m. crew member and 
ideally you're still realizing there are things in your life that you have to realign. There are things, there's work that has to be done. So, so never become complacent, begin to take those first initial steps. Um, and like Jeff said, celebrate, celebrate those first wins and, and see what resources are around you as you, as you walk through it. Week two of this series, uh, Joe, this was one of your weeks. Uh, it was the idea of if only I had taken that risk, say more was there anything that you didn't get a chance to say um yeah yeah. i mean there's a whole story there i didn't get to share right so uh for those of you who are familiar with mark chapter five uh the story of the bleeding woman takes place side by side with the story of jairus uh and i I guess the thing that i'm like oh i wish we had more time for this would be to also talk about him right because we did talk about the rich man who who says no to following Jesus. And in Jairus, you really have an example of someone who does have status, who is really important in the community, who actually does take a chance as well, right? Uh, and if you read the story, it says he's a synagogue leader. And, and so for someone of his position to put himself out there to Jesus like that, um, you know, that would have just kind of added to the theme of that. So if I had more time, probably that would have been in the director cuts of things. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I do want to give you a quick shout out for the line, um, the impurity reserve list. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh uh, pretty hard uh, as I was going back and and, and refreshing myself on your, on, on your sermons. Um, you also said that there are no deadlines when it comes to following Jesus. If you weren't bold, then you can be bold today. I was yeah. just like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, so if, if you are in... If you're in that late crew, right, to tie it back into week one, if it's not too late that you can step into it. But I do have a question for both of you. What risks have you taken that have paid off? Hmm. That is a good a question. question. I mean, it's sometimes I mean, you have— Let me be clear. They can be Jesus-y risks, but they can also be like, yeah, I like did this like crazy cool adventure thing and that also paid off. Oh, well, both, like it, both are okay. Yeah, Tell yeah, both yeah. stories. Well, <laughs> so I would say, you know, there's some moments where you kind of like feel like, do I talk about this too much? But like, on the other hand, they're just such pivotal moments. But for us, um, when we moved uh, the beginning of 2013, we moved from Southern California. So all of our family was pretty much uh, in Southern California at that time. We had the only two grandchildren. Uh, my wife, Amy, her parents were about four blocks away. My mom was about a 10-minute drive away. Uh, and we picked up our family. So the kids were six and three at that point, And we moved to Virginia, which we know zero human beings. Uh, Wild. Because we were just in this spot where, um, yeah, we were, you know, Amy wasn't able to be present with the kids because the demands of her current job as much as she would like uh, to be present with them. Uh, We felt like we were making decent money. Why did it feel like we were poor? Uh, You know, just because of the the cost of living. We also, you know, uh, told the story many times, but we just didn't budget our money in our 20s. And so because of that, we're like, okay, we need to we need to not only pay off all our debt, live by a budget, but we also as part of that that's going to happen if we live somewhere more affordable. And so we had an opportunity to move for um, my wife Amy's job. And then we'd show up in Virginia and I would just find a church job. And so that was a huge risk because at that point, my like resume pretty much other than some like college jobs had one thing on it, youth pastor, yeah. like a pretty narrow field. Right. And so it's like, 
well, what happens if I can't find something? I got a very narrow background, and but we just sense like this is an opportunity. And I think it's one of those things, like we tend to think sometimes God's will in this very like direct, linear, narrow line. And I'm not sure how it works, but what it felt like was God opening up an opportunity and in essence saying, here's an opportunity to walk through if you are willing, if you want to. Yeah. But we took the risk to do the Abraham thing, go to a land that I'm showing you and, you know, not knowing, right? Yeah. Um, not knowing what's there, not knowing what's there for us, but through that. Um, no sacrificing your children. What a right. gift. We didn't have to sacrifice our children, <laughs> but, you know, there's a little bit of scariness around, yeah. like, are we going to have enough money? Like, there was a point where it's like, do we need to look up food banks? Like, yeah. are we going to, is it going to get to that level? And then God providing through that and God, um, yeah, just providing so much, so many opportunities for both uh, Amy and myself professionally. And uh, I think we've, I grew in ways being back in Virginia in ways professionally and personally that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise had I not gone. Yeah. And so that is, you know, a big part of our story. It's a story that I return to often, but maybe I should just like get over that. Cause like, well, yeah, like that was a pivotal moment yeah. and there's a lot of big things that came from that. So that's yeah. one risk that, uh, yeah, that I took that was Great. worth not throwing away my shot. Oh my also God. in a small oh, no, way, again. I yes, again. don't regret singing um some lines from hamilton uh, never but, never regret singing lines from hamilton but i mean i did it from the stage at church so yeah. uh so, so in honor of erica's birthday thank you uh i just like i think i Don't, thought more people I, would I mean, sing along than yeah. didn't but that's okay like, yeah here's the deal i i appreciate that you're like in honor of erica's birthday also we should just we should incorporate hamilton into more things not just because like i like hamilton so just so we're clear <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what about for you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me raise a toast to boldness. <gasps> something yes. that they'll never take away, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, at the risk of repeating stories. That's okay. Here's the deal, right? What's the, yeah. what's the average statistic of how often a person comes to church? Like, repeat the story. Please. I know, right? I, I did allude to this a little bit in the last podcast I was I was in uh, talking a little bit about my journey here to Radio yeah. View, but it's kind of hard to think of another time where Jill and I took such a big gamble. Uh, and part of that is because, you know, one of the downsides, if there are downsides of being in ministry, is that when you are in a situation where leadership is not healthy, yeah, it's not just a unhealthiness that is emotional, but also spiritual. Uh, and once your job is tied to that as well, like Jeff is saying, financially speaking, it is uh, uh, sort of taxing and worrisome as well, right? And so when I think about times, where have we been bold? Honestly, we haven't been for most of our lives. We like to play it safe. Uh -huh. I, I'm someone who likes knowing the outcome of things. I need to know... Uh, three months ahead, four months ahead of time. <laughs> will I have enough? Will I be okay? Uh, otherwise, I don't usually pull the plug on something, right? Yeah. Is that the right? That's not the right expression. It's not pull no, the plug. It's like that's a, like I don't know. No, I, pulling I the plug is quitting something. It's quitting something. <laughs> but that's uh, also uh, sometimes quitting. Sometimes quitting is the risk. 
Yeah, sometimes it is, right? And in this situation, that might be it, right? Uh, and I think one of the one of the things we had to figure out was measuring the cost of speaking out. Yeah. Versus not saying anything because in that situation that we were in, we had every opportunity just to leave silently. And if we did that, would things have been better? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I don't know. But there was a moment where my time in that staff where I had the opportunity to stay longer, where I had the opportunity actually uh, to even have a doctor paid for if if that's something I wanted. And so it's. I think oh, what gets, yeah. I just, just got to laugh because that ain't never going to happen at Rainier View. <laughs> I know, it's not going to happen. So sorry, but like, that's not a slam on anybody at Rainier View. No. We love you all. Sorry. Yeah. This is, yeah, the yeah. podcast is the unfiltered place where you get <laughs> what we really think. And that's not to say anything about Rainier View or my expectations here. Uh, I, I'm I, mean, just, I can print you off a certificate. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We can deputize you. Yeah, no, Jeff's no. done that a couple times for me. I honestly don't want to put in the work. Right? Uh, amen. Uh, that's that's yeah. part of it. But also, like, that's just to stress, like, how uh, it's really confusing to talk about my time at Maple Valley because part of it is, like, people think, oh, like, Joe, you just had a horrible time. You were so mistreated. That's why you left. And that's not necessarily true. I was actually treated very well. And that was part of the problem. Patriarchy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll just call it what it is, right? And and so like when 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 that becomes the issue, right? Yeah. Um, it does take some boldness and some risk to say like, all right, now we're gonna speak out on this. We're gonna make we're gonna make a decision that might end up, for lack of better words, screwing us, right? Yeah. And and, and at the end of the day, was it worth it? Well, I guess I'm here. I mean, it was worth it for us. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and you know, it's not like, you know, it, yeah, it, it, it hurt us a little bit financially. Yeah, it hurt us a little bit when it came to um, where we're at in life. But are we happier? Or better yet, is the joy of the Lord present in our mm. yeah. home? Do we feel like we were obedient? Do we feel like God is at work here at Rainier View and that everything that happened, even though it wasn't always great, it it was within sort of the parameters of God's will for our lives, right? And in that sense, the answer would definitely be a yes, and it's worth every cost, and we would pay that cost again and again to be where we're at today. Wow. I can't... That's so good. <laughs> Man, so there's so many directions we could go. I mean, I want to make a joke because it was just so thoughtful and just be like, <laughs> oh, no, but no, that was really good. So... This isn't like it wouldn't it wouldn't have come up in the sermon series yeah. probably, but I am thinking about regret, and I've, I think I've mentioned this other times. We we did a podcast kind of like something like, what do you wish people knew about like leading through the pandemic or something along those lines? Or maybe not, but like my I remember sharing just like I wish people knew how hard it was to lead as a pastor. And just not making it clear that, like, no matter what you say, no matter what stance you take, someone will hate you for it. And someone will just, like, quit on you, leave you, not give you an explanation. And it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, And so I think, like, a regret maybe around not taking that chance 
like it's so hard to explain how ministry because you made a face earlier about like there's some comment about ministry being hard. Or like, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, you were like you're like one of the downsides to ministry if there are any, and I yeah, was like, that's what it was. If right. there are any, <laughs> and so. To, Let me be to clear, I do love ministry. Right, yeah. right. But to make it clear, all of us love ministry. All of us love being here on this team in this place. But that doesn't change the fact that ministry is extremely difficult uh, and that most people don't understand the unique pressures that are placed symbolically upon a pastor to represent to a vast majority of people a specific viewpoint, a specific style, a specific vibe that that brings them comfort. And when you don't do that, when you don't show up in that way, then your character or your spirituality can be vilified. And so I guess my regret is like not explaining that pressure more clearly to people in a way, but it's, and it's not like, oh, poor me, like, uh, my job is hard. I guess not what I'm doing, or at least I'm trying not to do, but there's maybe there's like a regret there somewhere of not helping people understand, like being transparent enough in a healthy way to just highlight, right, a, you know, a pastor is expected to like be an A plus communicator every single Sunday. Don't, you know, you got to complete downs. <laughs> you know, you, you can't throw the ball away. You can't throw an interception. Any Sunday you get up to preach, uh, you know, everybody is running it through the lens of, is this my style? Is this speaking to me? Is this what I want to hear? Is church done the way I want it to be? Uh, you have to be able to manage a multi-million dollar budget, uh, and put that together. You have to be a fundraiser. You have to be a counselor, by the way, for free uh, to, to many people in a lot of ways. Uh, you have to be a team builder, a recruiter of volunteers, a, a navigator of current cultural trends and global trends, and on and on and on the list goes. And I just think, you know, the joke is like, and some people make it and they understand like, well, all you, you must be a great job. You only work one day a week. <laughs> right. And so just, I guess I have a regret of not like not being transparent enough of, of sharing the struggles of ministry more clearly. And I think my fear has been, I don't want to be perceived as a whiner. Yeah. Right. Or like, I just think like, well, just, you just buck up. Like, yeah, like things are hard. Every job is hard. Every job has drawbacks. But I think there's a unique collection, a constellation of things that go into ministry that often we don't feel as pastors. There's a space, a lane to clearly communicate those unique pressures. And so I don't know where that that doesn't fit in any one of these four sermons necessarily, but it is a regret. I thought I would bring it up because it seems pertinent to yes, regrets. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, I think about, you know, you and I led here together, you were leading in a different place through a pandemic and then through unhealthy leadership changes. Um, and, and, and both of you took, took your fair share of hits in that season and that, um, but there were risks also involved in, in, in the stances that, that both of you took that said, like, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to do the thing that I feel that God is calling me to, even if it feels scary or it feels like it's going to be the thing that's going to drive someone away. If it's the thing that, you know, it takes down maybe some of my credibility in my community, or if it's the thing that that means we'll get angrier emails, but it's the thing that feels right. Um, and so both of you have taken risks that have helped helped people see how God shows up in really, really hard places. And so thank you both for the risks that you um, have taken in your leadership and in ministry and in the painful, sad moments. So thank you both. Um, also, the joke that I wanted to make earlier, just so we can segue to the next thing, because I <laughs> was like, you also are both married to really incredible women, and you had to take some risk there, and that paid off too. So that was <laughs> It's not a joke. Like, yes, but the yes. thing to lighten the moment is yeah. both of you have great wives, and that was a risk too. True, true, true. Yeah, was there anything else that you wanted yeah, to Yeah, I should probably say true as well. Yeah. Not just let Jeff do that. Uh, uh, week three. Jeff, this was your week. If only I had done the right thing. Hmm. Uh, what, what wasn't there? What didn't you get a chance to say that you wanted to say? Um, I mean, this one... Yeah, I really... I really love this encounter with Zacchaeus that Jesus has. Such a uh, beautiful no, story. You are you are not on a Zacchaeus name basis with Zacchaeus. What did uh, you call Zacchaeus? Oh, in I called him Zach. <laughs> uh, yes, because I wasn't going to say Zacchaeus 38 times in a sermon, so I'm just going to call him Zach. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I mean, this is, one of my, this is one of my favorite messages in the series. Yeah. Um, I think I would say, just underscore, I think... This is something that's been fascinating that I've been learning over the past few years. Just when I got trained and schooled for ministry, there was such an emphasis on making sure people understand their sin and they need to repent before they begin to follow Jesus. And this series is like a cousin of an earlier series we did on breaking the cycle of shame. And we had people in that series kind of write in uh, responses throughout of things that they felt shame over. And I mean, we got hundreds of these little cards back and just reading the weight and the guilt and the shame that people hold on to. And it was just like, why don't we lead with the grace that yeah. God has offered to us because of the personal work of Jesus? I think the vast majority of people feel garbage about themselves. They feel terrible. They know they've done wrong. Yeah. So why don't we lead with that? I would have just like kind of like maybe even even been more emphatic. Um, and I would say that too, the thing I would add, and it even uh, it even bleeds back into week two around if if I had only taken that chance, um, if I had only run, done the right thing. Sometimes I think we have a default idea that doing the right thing is staying or is staying the course or remaining. And so I think about the movie Moana. Oh, oh boy. So good. Right. The actual wrong move for Moana's tribe is to play it safe and stay on the island. Like yeah. that's actually the wrong thing. But yet 
her tribe was so convinced this is what our people do. And she actually, right, if you haven't seen Moana, then I don't know what What rock you've been living under, right? But uh, it's delightful. It's so good. One my Disney movie bracket. One my pandemic Disney movie bracket. When we did, uh, yeah, uh, to put that into context, when I was sad in the pandemic (laughs) in the first year because there was no March Madness tournament, (laughs) my family decided to do a Disney bracket. So we watched 64 Disney movies, and each one of the members of my household got to rank them on a 100-point scale. Anyways, I gave Moana a perfect 100. Uh. Because it's so good. But, right, she discovers through that process that, no, it's actually by tapping into an older, more original uh, identity of we're explorers, actually. And so I think sometimes doing the right thing is actually getting back to the core of our identity before God and living out of that. And so, yeah, that would be something that I would just have highlighted that— Oftentimes, we view the right thing as the safe thing, meaning the most least risk-averse thing we can do, and often that's not the case. Often where the best things and the good things live always require risk, and there's something in our culture where we want a risk-proof life, (laughs) and God is having none of it. And he's never had any of it. But yet we keep trying to fit following Jesus into this risk-proof box. Yeah. And it doesn't work because it was never intended to work that way. And that was something that didn't come out in any one series that probably would have interjected in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Is there anything you wish that you would have been able to say in this this particular sermon this week? Yeah. I I mentioned something about how we don't have— tax collectors that we disdain within our communities, but we do have our own Zacchaeuses and zip codes that we like to avoid, right? And Zacchaeuses and zip Sometimes codes. I think there are definitely Zacchaeuses where it's it's a circumstance where that person or that community, yeah, definitely what they're doing should tick you off, and that makes sense, right? But other times I think— we, we have a tendency to also assume that they're dirty or that they're not good or that we need to stay away from them, right? And we see this all over uh, because things are so united in our country and our state and in our world. Yeah, and, everything's so perfect. It's great. Yeah, and there's no way that we misjudge other people. And so yeah. it, it, <laughs> you know, one, of, one of the things that came to mind as I've been thinking about, like, the Zacchaeus, and my friends are going to have to forgive me here, but uh, for the longest time, uh, two of my closest friends were like Zacchaeuses to me, uh, partly because of the way they voted partly because of the aesthetic of their home, partly because of their careers, partly because just everything that added up, I was like, these people are not good people. Wow. And it, it's strange how a pandemic and the loss of a mutual friend and some church drama, all of that drew us together into friendship. And it was something I was reflecting on the other day because we— we actually went on vacation together uh, just this past August at Pismo Beach, California. And as we were sitting there uh, you know, eating around the table, it, it made me think about this story in particular. Or maybe this is just, you know, you're looking back in hindsight and creating a false <laughs> sermon and illustration. But 
But yeah. it'll be good for a future yeah. one. Hey, let, me tell, let me tell you, Joe, yeah. I routinely will use a sermon illustration. I get home and Amy's like, that is not how that story happened. Yeah. It's not lying if it's faithful. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, no, Did like, you hear what he just said? <laughs> Mine, I was just like, I view it. Like, no, this is the way it happened. And then it's like, reality is wow. a half click over. <laughs> I run, I run like all of my sermon illustrations past the people in my life. Like, are you cool if I tell this story? Oh, I only do that for my children. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is fair game. And I have no children, so it's all fair game. Uh, but yeah, all, all that's to say is like, anytime Sorry, we can yes. see, yeah, get to have a meal together. Let's just put it in the present tense because we don't know about the past tense, but um <laughs> It's a reminder of the table that Jesus and Zacchaeus sat at and the tables that Jesus sits at, right? And it's really hard to hate someone when you're having a meal with them. And, and, and that's something that I've, I don't know, if, if there was an opportunity to say a little bit more about that, I probably would have jumped into that uh, and just talking about like, yeah, like, this is why table fellowship isn't just a first century thing. Maybe this is something we should do more of in the 21st century because you share a meal together, you have some conversations together, go on a vacation together, and you'll realize um, even though your friends are completely wrong about everything and should vote completely <laughs> differently this next month, there's still wonderful, beautiful human beings created in the image of God that you can't imagine life without. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's good. Um, well, the the question that I have to ask for both of you is um, doing the right thing so often results in doing something that feels a little bit embarrassing or giving up your pride. Uh, so how do you learn to, like, you know, block out the haters and do the right thing? I did pick the most uh, absurd way to say it of, like, block out the haters. <laughs> but, like, like, how do you silence? Because, like, it could have been really easy for you to say, like, I can't, I can't go have a meal with these friends because what, what might someone else who, who already maybe is thinking a little bit judgy of me will then be like, oh, well, he's hanging out with someone who, who thinks this way about the world. Like, how do you just say, like, no, this is the thing that I need to do and I'm just going to go for it and not listen to the haters. So yeah, I wasn't going to go first on this one because I think I have a natural inclination to, to care less about what people think. So there's a Jeff reason why haters for breakfast. There's a reason why like Kobe Bryant is my all time favorite, like, you know, athlete. Why like, no, Jordan is the goat over LeBron because, like, that mold of, like, Jordan, Kobe, like, in terms of if you're an NBA fan, if you're not, then, like, you don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, they didn't care what other players thought of them. They were so fixed on the goal of winning championships, right? And it was, like, not about, like, sparing feelings or anything like that. And so there's something about that just that frankness and directness that I think is refreshing because there's so much posturing in the world. We have so much, is that what she really meant? Is that really what he was intending with that comment? And so I just think it's like, no, we just need to be like direct and upfront. Uh, but I think for me, often I won't want to go back where there's like a fracture in a relationship or where there's something that was like, that was spoken in a, in a way that, maybe could be taken a certain way or lead to, to a, um, a fissure in a relationship. So um, I think you were all in a meeting about a month ago or so 
Um, we got something big coming up on the horizon as a church, and I was feeling the anxious energy in the room grow. Like, I could just feel it. And so I got my uh, here comes the general voice out, and I was just, like, a little maybe harsh with my tone of, like, no, we're not going to give in to anxiety here. We could do this. It's going to be fine. Um, and so afterwards, the next day, I made sure to circle back with one of my teammates about just like, hey, I just want to make sure like that I didn't cross the line, that the way I said that wasn't too aggressive. Right. And so I think those are the things that for me are maybe the uh, the willingness to go back and to like be vulnerable. And even here, like, yeah, you know, you were just kind of a little bit of a jerk in that moment, which that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the way that that conversation went, but being willing to just like, again, own when, you know, sometimes in the name of honesty and frankness, sometimes it can just be like, no, either just do the right thing, like stop it. (laughs) And that might not be the most helpful thing. So for me, it's more so about yeah, like the circling back to the person um, and not in that instance, but other instances too, especially where I feel like that person doesn't deserve me to circle back to them because they did the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or they were a jerk or they hurt me. Yeah. And so being willing to like invite them to the table, so to speak, like I had, you know, I was thinking of a moment right now where I literally had to invite somebody over where there was a fracture in the relationship. We had to sit down at the table and share a meal and there was a lot of healing in that but like there's something there's something inherent in me at least I don't want to do that yeah I feel like no yeah (laughs) I shouldn't have to so if your default is to just block out the haters you might have to uh, not 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 everybody who gives you feedback is a hater but you might have to circle back to some people that might get labeled as a hater and be like I value mm-hmm. that relationship there. If your default is mm-hmm. I eat haters for breakfast. Or just like why waste energy on, you know, what's likely unhelpful criticism, right? Versus am I truly willing to circle back to to build that relationship, that relational connection to do, as it says in Romans 12, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. And so that's something that's been a learned skill. And I would say a... a something that faith has brought into my life. Mm, like that yeah. that's one of the benefits of following Jesus now for a few decades that that's how I relate to people, not because of something inherent in me, but because, <laughs> because of my faith system tells me this is how you interact. Like Jesus would interact with people. Um, so yeah, that's something for me. So good. Yeah. Joe, so- do you eat haters for breakfast? I had the complete opposite problem. Great. So okay. I, so how do you block out the haters? I'm an extreme people pleaser and enjoy, uh, well, maybe not enjoy, but like I will definitely want to hear what other people have to think about me, right? And so, you know, at the risk of sounding overly simplistic about this, uh, one of the ways that I've been able to sort of grow in this area is to reduce social media usage, first of all. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the measure of likes and views does something to you, especially when you're a pastor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And believe it or not, even as youth pastors, you experience this to the same degree, if not more. Uh, During COVID especially, I don't know if you experienced this, Erica, but if you follow other youth pastors, it's really hard not to be like, oh, man, 
Like, yeah. look at what they have going on. Ooh. Look at that event. Look at that middle school camp. It looks like they have 20 more kids that are being saved than my program, yep. which have zero. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, and, and, and so comparison becomes hard. And then, yeah, definitely w- what people think about your program, what people think about you as a pastor, what people think about you as a person. Uh, and, and, and so in addition to kind of blocking off how often do you see other people and what they're posting to avoid that comparison, I, I think the other thing I'm starting to teach myself and something God is starting to teach me as well is like, yeah, people will always have opinions about you no matter what. Uh, and they, they will sometimes be negative. And there's just no way not to have haters. Haters are always there. The question is, what do you want to be hated for at, at the end of the day? Ooh, uh, Joe. And so so th- that's kind of how I try to, to live. We podcasts because we get convicted. <laughs> <laughs> sorry no, sorry no, no but, but it's, no, it's that's, so that's something good. that it's so yeah good. god's been impressing on my heart yeah. it's like look like people are gonna hate you sorry they hated yeah. me and nailed me to a cross so <laughs> you think it's gonna be any better Get for you so it. well yeah and, yeah and i think it's such a good point you look at anybody who's done anything significant in history and in the in the afterglow of history we often uh lift up these individuals as Oh, well, look at, they were just people of conviction and then everybody listened to them. Yeah. Like, so Martin Luther King Jr. Or even like yeah. uh, Nelson yeah. Mandela, right? Yeah. I, was, I was listening to a podcast on Nelson Mandela a few weeks ago and it was just fat. Like, I didn't realize he went to jail for like 28 years for like actively resisting his government. But what we know him for is just like, oh, he went to jail for something for a little bit of time. Uh, but you know, he stood up for his convictions and everybody followed him. It was like, that was not the case when he stood up against apartheid in South Africa and he suffered greatly for it before he got to the point where we remember him. Or even in our current context, I hear a lot of people will lift up Martin Luther King Jr. as where, where, are, the, where are the Martin Luther King Juniors of today speaking to the issues of tension in our world? And, and why isn't, you know, uh, anybody willing to speak like that today when we don't realize in MLK's context, he was called a communist. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was condemned as a dangerous individual. Like, and so we just I'm not even sure where I was going with this. Line of thought. <laughs> We're gonna be hated for whatever. Oh. So pick what you're hated for. And that yeah, anybody who makes a significant contribution there in the go. course of history are hated immensely in their present stand that they take. Nobody is ever like, in fact, I, there's almost probably like a, a inverse law going on, like that the the less haters you have, the less impact you probably are making. Yeah. And that's not to say, now some people like are just abrasive jerks. Yes. I'm like, that's a Don't, different category well, I, of person. <laughs> y'all, oh, he just, I, do we have to cut that part out? Do, do we do not? No. Do okay. we? I didn't attach no. a name to anybody. He just did. Oh, I just said Kanye. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, no. You guys, yeah. Kanye is wrong. Keep yes, going. if you're listening to this in the current cultural moment, this is about one week after his posting of anti-Semitic comments. It's like three weeks after. Oh, okay. Well, a little behind on It's my like news one cycle. week after Adidas yeah, yeah, dropped him. Right. But anyways, that, yes, we roundly condemn any sort of like, yeah, that... Being hated for that, like when you have neo Nazis like supporting you and cheering for you, then like yeah, that's not taking a stand at least for the 
right and good and just things that God wants you to. Don't don't set out to gain haters. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is when you set out after what God has called you to, that will typically brush up against other people's thoughts and comfort and ease in life and therefore you will gain haters but do not seek to gain them they'll just they'll find you don't worry and history is also littered with the people that did the hard groundbreaking work that aren't remembered yeah Mm. that is and that is a sobering thought that i struggle with like in terms of doing the right thing that like you could actually do the right thing and not yield the harvest yeah oof yeah. That you want, at least. Yeah. Not that you're not gaining anything, not that you're not seeing God at work, but the harvest that you think you're going to get from that work might not be the harvest that God grants you. That's tough for me. <laughs> uh-huh. That is similarly tough for me. Um, well, block out the haters, y'all. Keep going for what God has for you. <laughs> um, the last week is really the week that... Um, I'm just pretty angry about. Um, I think I think Joe is similarly angry, and Jeff has a just a cheesy grin. Uh, so week four, Joe, this was your week. Uh, if only I had reached out. Your 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 bottom line statement was, "We can choose repair over despair." And I really don't have like a follow up question for you. Uh, aside from number one, how dare you? Uh, but also, you <laughs> uh, you you. you prompted us to look at Judas in a new light in this particular um, sermon. Uh, talk to us about a little bit about that journey. Share the things that didn't get you maybe didn't get a chance to share from the platform. But I'm mostly like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't really a question. So I'm just going to start where I want to, I guess. Yeah, no, yeah, no, go ahead. No, there wasn't really a question. Go ahead and, and go wherever you want to with that. Yeah, so... On Judas, I think one of the things that I, I I really tried to do was obviously to help us to empathize with him, right? And that's something I have to credit one of my professors for. His name's Federico Roth. Uh, he was at Azusa Pacific. And one of the things he did so well was to make us almost relook at some Bible characters that we think we have all figured out. Mm. And in his example, he was talking about Vashti in the book of Esther. Uh, he's also mentioned Saul. Uh, not, not to say that he's okay with everything that Saul did, but, like, what, what if you look at this from, like, a more uh, human perspective, right? Like, he was a successful leader who was a reluctant leader who just at some point made all the wrong choices and things fell apart. Uh, and so... Similarly with Judas, I think that was kind of the strategy I wanted to take was, well, surely someone who belongs to the 12 uh, couldn't just be that simple, right? Uh, The other person I have to mention, and it hurts me to mention this, but uh, John Piper gave a uh, small talk about Ravi Zacharias and how when Ravi Zacharias uh, when it was all revealed about the abuse that was covered up by his ministries, one of the questions that his congregant asked him was, how do you deal with leaders that turn out 
not to be who you thought they were. And in this one instance, I thought Piper was right on, which where, where he said, like, well, look at Judas. Judas healed people. Judas cast out demons. Judas preached the gospel. Uh, and I kind of took that line of thought, right, and was just like, all right, let's 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 roll with that, right? Because, yeah, maybe Judas was legit. Uh, and maybe if we look at the circumstances, then we can have a better grasp on why would he make the decisions that he made, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the, on- the only other source I have to think, aside from John Piper, is HBO Max's uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. If, if you've ever seen that movie. I, I have not. not. Yeah. Should I watch it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's about Fred Hampton, but but there's a similar uh, okay. similar vibes on Judas there, too. I like to always just throw this out yeah. here. Use your own judgment when making decisions. Just because we recommend a TV show or a movie does not mean that you should just blindly go watch it. Okay, keep going. Indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Sorry for just dropping out cultural no. content left and right. No, no, yeah. that's great. I just always like to throw that in here because sometimes people are like, you said this was fine. And <laughs> no, that was that was not an endorsement of anything. Uh, same with Kanye. I don't endorse his music. <laughs> Well, it was, um, I found it to be incredibly challenging and so grateful um, uh, that you were not around when we did our series on Samson. Because oh. uh, I hate Samson <laughs> and had a lot of discomfort around him as as a leader. And you would have uh, made me have empathy for him. So, No, Samson is someone I'm still trying to figure out how to have empathy <gasps> Great, for. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> he, he was one mess of a judge. Oh, and yet, doesn't he make the heroes of faith in Hebrews? Am I am I, I wrong th- about that? I think he does. It makes me so mad. It's a I know. Little line. We How? did a whole sermon series on it about a year and a yeah. half ago. So yeah, and I literally like I, like I had to preach the last week of this, and I came to teaching team, and I was like, I, you're gonna really have to help me because I don't know that I can actually preach the last week of this, and mm. and ultimately the realization that I came to is like I feel so much discomfort around. Well, again, I'm not saying that what Samson, how Samson carried himself was, like, cool or anything like that. But um, I want to believe that perfection is something that I, as a human, can achieve. And so when I see leaders that, like, can't achieve perfection, then I'm like, oh, well, I can't achieve perfection either. This is garbage. So um, that that was part of my, like— Samson Samson is troubling because he's pointing out that actually as leaders we will all just continue to be flawed. Hmm. And yeah, there's ooh, I think this content is actually coming up in a sermon. So I don't want to get That's too fine. much away. Well, it is coming up in a sermon coming soon, but That's fine. Um, Hopefully you stuck around this long in the podcast. It's true. Uh but as a culture, we love to binge. I think you were talking about this, Joe. Binge on leadership failure content. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow that it gives us a pass on engaging with faith or with making a difference. Oh, because that leader failed. Yeah. Therefore, I'm off the hook or I have an excuse yeah. because I was part of a place where leader X failed or leader Y did this, that, or didn't do this or that. And we are all responsible for choosing um, the right thing. And I think, again, even thinking about that Samson thing, there was redemption and restoration even in the most jacked up of, like, leadership moments and a whole lifetime, really, of self-centered leadership. But there's finally a moment where Samson willingly 
sacrifices and gets on God's page, so to speak. Uh, and so again, there's always redemption to be had. Um, but I think there's a lot of problematic thinking around, oh, well, this leader did this, therefore I get a pass mm-hmm. on faith or I get a pass on doing good in my world. I'm just going to give into cynicism or, you know, like I'm just going to live for myself or whatever. And we don't talk that way as people, but functionally I see a lot of that result happening. Uh, and so, yeah, just a, just a thought around even, even Judas. And I would, I'll probably double click on the fact that in the gospels, it says clearly Matthew 27, Judas was seized with remorse. Yeah. And so we just view him as this arch villain who's just completely evil. And that's just not the case. Like you were saying, Joe, like there's so much more nuance and complexity to him as a person if we're willing to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say this, but for some reason, Thanos came to mind. <laughs> like when you read <laughs> Judas, think of Thanos from the Marvel Cinematic Universe or Ooh. Eric Killmonger, right? Yeah. Like this idea of like I did feel bad for Killmonger. Yeah, right? Yeah. There there are some real reasons here. And that doesn't mean the results are okay. But I think it's a case study in how to have empathy for people, right? Well, you guys put together a phenomenal series. If you missed any of the weeks of Yes Regrets, please make sure that you go back and listen. Is there anything we didn't get a chance to say that you want to say before we close this out? Nope, I think I'm good. No, we're we're good. Thank you for hosting. Oh my gosh, a delight to host. You both are wonderful. Have a great week, everybody. 